You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. At National Conference, I learned about a toolbox. That'll be on the screen. You say a toolbox? What were you doing? Building things? No. The toolbox of our denomination. Have you ever tried to cut wood with a hammer? Now, maybe you have. Maybe you're some kind of MacGyver type and you can do that. It doesn't work real well. Have you ever tried to take a, put a screw in with a hammer? Now, that can happen. That will work. You will bust the, the screw up, but it will work. See, what's in that toolbox is very important. I remember my dad saying this when we were working on something at my place, and he said this, these words. I was in earshot. He wasn't saying them to me, but he said, my dad, which would be my grandfather, used to try to fix everything with a hammer and a screwdriver. It's true. My pappy Ray used to try to fix everything. It didn't matter what it was. If it was a piece of wood that needed to be cut, we can do it with a hammer and a screwdriver. So when I married Lynette, this is my, mother, my, my father talking, I told her, I'm going to be buying some tools because the right tool for the job makes the job a whole lot easier. If you've seen his garage, you know that's a true statement. He has every tool under, and I'm sure some people, some people here have more tools, but he has every tool that he needs. All I have to do is call my dad and say, Dad, here's what I want to get done. Okay, I got the tool for that. Boom, up he comes. What about faith church? What about kingdom growing? What about church ministry? Here's what's worse. When we're trying to build the kingdom with a hammer and a screwdriver, and we really need a saw. Right? Need to cut this wood. I got a hammer and a screwdriver. How does that fit into 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Well, along the way of National Conference, he taught me a few lessons. Here's humble lesson number one. This is your first fill in the blank. We have spiritual gifts and they don't all work the same by design. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all, is many, but all its many parts from one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. This is where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he tells us a little bit more about what it means to be us, what it means to be human. 
He's writing to them about their gathering together. Here's again what he says. For just as body is one, has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. Eyes, ears, mouth, nose, hammers, screwdrivers, saws, all provided right in this building. You have different body parts. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, eyes and ears, and mouth and nose. But it's all a part of one body. Now, I knew much of this going in, but here's what I learned through one of those tools in the toolbox. We are not all going to react like me. And that doesn't make the body wrong. Because God wired you and me differently. See, spiritual gifts are given for the church, not for our own puffing. So the tool used was called the Grip Berkman Assessment. It's used to help you understand how you react to things as a team member or in any group like a church so that others can understand you and you can understand others. So I'm going to throw up a picture of a school bus on the screen. I want you to understand how this school bus works. Every church is a school bus. The ones in the front, you can throw this up on the screen, are known as those who say, let's go. Let's go. Let's stop talking. Let's move. Let's drive. Number two person is those on the left side of the bus. Those are the people that say, let's be careful. So number three people are on the right side of the bus. Those people say, let me help. Now, this is all in the Apostle Paul's teaching. This is exactly what he's talking about. So I don't believe that Greg Greg Berkman is, is, is off scripturally. We are all one body, yet we all have a different reaction. And then there's those in the back of the bus. Those people, they sit in the back of the bus, not the back of the sanctuary. You're okay. Let's stay together. These people are making sure that no one falls out of the bus So they want to make sure everyone is heard and kept safe. Now you can imagine when the let's go driver hears the guy behind him say, let's be careful. You can imagine what the let's be careful people who are saying, let's move, but let's be careful as we move, might feel when the person in the back says, we haven't heard everybody's opinion. Here's what happens. People in the front of the bus can look at the people behind them and say, geez, would you just stop stalling and get on moving? Please. We can almost treat each other as if they are sinning or wrong for being the way they are in their teamwork perspective. 
but they're not. They're not. So whether you're let's go or be careful or let me help or stay in the bus and let's talk about this, you are an important part of this body. Every last one of you. And if I, a pastor, have ever made you feel like you're less than that, I'm sorry. Because I've felt that way sometimes. When I say, let's go, and someone grabs a shirt tail and says, let's be careful. And if you think you're sitting here because it's an accident, please understand the God we worship today. We need your soul. We need your screwdriver, not to drink. <laughs> we need your hammer. We need your pliers. We need you, folks. Whether you sit on the back of the bus and you just keep us together, one happy family, making sure nobody falls out, or you're the driver of the bus, we need you. If you're on the left side or the right side of the bus, we need you, because the bus goes nowhere if you're not there. The bus just sits. Now, trust me, there are people that take this to the nth degree. You know, it's like the person that you ask if they would serve in a ministry. I asked them eight years ago when I first came here. They're still praying about it. Folks, there are those people who just stall to stall. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are wired to think differently, and it's a good thing. Because if we were all bus drivers, everybody would fall out the back. Going 100 miles per hour down the road, who cares who we run over, who cares what we do, who cares who we hurt, who cares whatever. And then all of a sudden, people are shifting and they're going out the back and we're losing people faster than we're gaining. But this didn't all happen because it just magically happened. This happened because 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that God ordained this church to have these gifts today. Now, with that said, again, we have to be careful that we don't just talk to talk or pray to pray. We do need to move at some point. The bus needs to drive. Here's the humbling part for me. I've not always seen it that way. I've fallen under temptation to believe that if you do not sin, where I sit, if you do not sit, excuse me, where I sit on the bus, you are my enemy. And here's what I learned. According to the recent study, 89% of other pastors fit in the same boat. Not alone. And you do too. Everybody believes that everybody should act like they act. 
But here's the problem. God didn't make me like you. And he didn't make you like me. It's actually very freeing. Here's how Paul says it in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If the whole body sat at the front of the bus, who would slow us down when we hit 120 going down Fifth Street? If the whole body sat on the left side of the bus, who would keep us from flipping? It's the exact same thing the Apostle Paul's talking about. If the whole body were an eye, we would see great. We wouldn't smell worth a lick. We wouldn't hear a word of God's word. We wouldn't do anything because we, all we could do is see. We can't speak because we have no mouth. Kind of a weird body, isn't it? These eyes floating around. <laughs> this ear just kind of floating around. In essence, God has arranged the body as he sees fit. A beautiful mess, if you would. Isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm not always in a shirt and tie. I'm sometimes in my backyard with a cut-off T-shirt on. And yes, I know that's a disgusting <laughs> look. But, I, you know, and, and I'm sometimes slamming my hammer against my hand saying things I shouldn't say. I'm sometimes making decisions that are not wise. I'm sometimes doing things that are not good. Yet he brings us all together and he says, you sit at the front of the bus, you sit on the left side, you sit on the right, you sit on the back. Now watch this, the world's going to take notice to what you're doing and how you love one another. Even though you're wired differently, you still love one another. And then they're going to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ because only God can take a bunch of people who are on the left side politically and on the right side politically and bring them together in the middle and understand that they love Jesus above all the other stuff of this world. Only God can do that. Because if it's in ourselves, we want to tell that person off. Only God can build this, this church. Because the world's not going to take notice to what you believe. The world's not going to take notice to your opinions about things. No, what the world is going to take notice of is how you love one another even when you disagree. Thomas, Peter, John. Peter and John, the way you deal with Thomas's doubts are going to talk to the world greater than anything you preach. You could preach it until you're, dry, until you're blue in the face. If you throw Thomas out on his ears because of his doubts, that's what the world's going to remember. Whew. Here's the bottom line of this humble lesson. It's a quote by Donald Miller, and here's he says, when you stop expecting people to be perfect, you can like them for who they are. That's what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. They're looking around. There's jealousy everywhere in the Corinthian church. 
They're looking at other people's hair and how it's done on Sunday morning. They're looking at this. They're looking at that. They're divided on who to follow, Paul or Paulus. They're, they are the church gone wild. I know no pastor that's going to send a resume to the church of Corinth and say, yeah, I'd like to pastor that church. Except for the apostle Paul. I have come back from National Conference freer than I've ever been. The weight has been lifted. Because I don't expect you to be perfect. I don't expect you to react perfectly when I can't. And it's all not because of anything other than the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. He had to remind me again. Humble lesson number two is this. The whole body is important. I said this earlier, but here's what it says in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, excuse me. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, I would not be, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. We get a sense here there's some jealousy along with the Corinthians about what gift they have to play in the body of Christ. I want you to hear this. Turn your ears on. There is no unimportant, insignificant, or inconsequential person in the body of Christ. Ever. Ever. Let me open up my heart to you a little bit. I went into this national conference feeling a little... Like I don't matter to the denomination. To you, I do. At least I think I do. But to the denomination. I, I kind of had a bit of a hissy fit going there in my head. 26 years, 20, 21 years I've served this denomination. 21 years. And then Bishop Randy stood before us and said something very similar. Let me tell you what I need our pastors to do, Bishop Randy said. I need you to go back and lead like Jesus. Because this denomination is nothing without each of you. In essence, what Bishop Randy said to me that day and it was like I was the only one in the room, even though hundreds were there. There's no one unimportant, no insignificant, or no inconsequential person in the body of Christ. Consequential. Got it. The part you play may be the very thing that we need, and if you aren't willing to play it, we sit. The bus is parked in the parking lot. This is where it gets difficult. 
Now let me tell you, if, if I said to you what's on the screen and you had both your eyes closed, you can close them if you want. Don't, don't, don't go to sleep on me, but you can close them. If they're truthfully closed, you would be unable to tell me what's on the screen. Right? Now imagine this. If we have a set of eyes here, or four sets of eyes here, and instead of being actively involved in helping us to see, they sit back. We can't see a thing. We're walking around like this as the body. Why? We have eyes. We have good, healthy eyes. Because they choose not to be used. I love what one commentator said, and I think you'll know why I love this once I read it. Here's what the commentator said. We don't realize what just one valve not doing its part can cause in our own bodies. Yet we expect the church to run when valves aren't doing their part. June 1st, 2021, I laid in Hershey Medical Center with an open heart surgery. Why? Because my valve wouldn't do its job. It was so full of crud that the surgeon told Michelle that it took him six hours. This is not the, on this is the honest truth. This is the honest truth. Just to dig out the old valve. Six hours of drilling. I don't remember a thing. <laughs> Thank God. One valve. One valve. What if you're that valve? And maybe you've been that valve for 30 years. Does that mean then you just say, I stop working? It's just one valve. I'll tell you what one valve means by a Hershey Medical Center doctor, Dr. Dowling, who's now retired. One valve, you can live for four or five months with the one valve being as bad as mine was. And after that, it's not good. You won't survive. Talk about shocking when Michelle and I heard those words. How about our body? Humble lesson number three, this is God's church, not mine or yours. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I want you to see this. This is God's sovereignty on display. We may sometimes question it, but really, how dare us? 
He has given us the body for this time in the history of the world. We look at the world and we say, uh, Pastor, a little concerned here, buddy. You should be. It's turning in the opposite direction as what we would like it to turn. But on the other hand, we should be excited about it. What, wait, I should be excited about this? Because God is opening doors. Because people who once trusted in monies are now seeing that those monies can disappear quicker than they can say, buy. People who trusted in relationships are watching their relationships fall apart. People who are trusting in all of these things other than Jesus are watching things walk away. And it's almost as if people are walking around with no hope. Then comes us. Hope dispensers. Who can share about the hope of Jesus Christ that even when the bank account is empty, there's something to live for. Even when the car that we put so much money into is broken down, there's so much to live for. Even when the gas tank can't get filled, <laughs> there's so much to live for. It's God's church, not mine. This reminder came at the right time for me. I don't have to make anybody do anything. It's God's church. Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? It's so, so important that we do. Remember, remember what we learned last week in the Pentecost Sunday where the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. There is something that we play into this. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it'll be on the screen. Do not quench the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that a believer can literally say, I'm not listening to you. You know, kind of like my children when they're very, very mad and I'm trying to talk to them. Nothing frustrates me more than getting the hand. I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. They don't do this often anymore, but they did. I'm not listening to you. And we can do the same thing to the Holy Spirit. He convicts, says, go do this. We say, not listening to you. Going to do my own thing. It's called quenching the Holy Spirit because literally the picture that is in mind by the writers of the Bible is this. It's a fire. It's a burning fire. The Holy Spirit is known as a burning fire. And he's burning and he's, and he's giving us um, um, thoughts and, he's, and he's, he's challenging us about where we walk with him and how we don't walk with him sometimes. And he convicts us of our sins and he gives us comfort in times of hurt. And he does all of this as a fire. Literally, the picture is taking a bottle of water on that fire and pouring it out. Saying, you're burning a little too bright there, buddy. I have no time to listen to you. And what we've done is we've convinced ourselves as the American church in many, many ways is, is that it is impossible for us to do that. Yet the Bible says in four to five different places, it is not impossible for us to do that. Us 
the Bible. It's God's church, not ours. We need to listen to him for the marching directions. I just sat in a Sunday school lesson where we were talking about Saul and what does Saul do? Saul in chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, he says he does something that's very key and it's something that we're really good at sometimes. Not, not just faith church, like the, the church universal. Saul does something that he's not supposed to do. And he says, I was trying to get God's blessing. So in essence, what Saul was doing was Saul was saying, I'm going to do what I want to do and ask for God's blessing on what I want to do. That's not the way this works. God's doing something in Muhlenberg, and we ought to join him on what he's doing. God's doing something in West Lawn, and we ought to join him on what he's doing. We don't come up with the plans and then say, God bless this plan and go with it. It's not the way God works. I have never believed that, again, I personally have had all the answers. In fact, the last two or three years has proven to me, as I said to one pastoral brother out for lunch this past week, I said to him, it's proven to me that I have more questions than I have answers at this moment. I know this, though the solution to the issues that we face is not isolation. It's not giving up on this, one another. I realize that the church has been forced to go online. I realize that we have been forced to do things that we, that we may not have done because of COVID. But it is, it is essential that we do not give up on meeting together. It is my prayer in the years to come that Faith Church will understand better these humbling lessons that we will strive forward, not wishing that we had the spot that someone else holds, remembering that the Lord has placed us right here as the screwdriver of this congregation, or the hammer, or the saw, or whatever it might be. But you are the right, and I'm not calling you a tool, but you are the right tool for the day. We have a choice to make what Paul says here describe, um, to make what Paul says here a part of our reality or to choose to ignore it and say, I'm not a big part of this body. I'm not a valve, so therefore I'm not a part of the body. That's not true. And how do these all work out? And this is in closing. How do these all work out? Well, here's the big deal. The next chapter, Paul lays it out for us. You do know what the next chapter is, right? You hear it at weddings all the time. It's a love chapter. Now, here's what we do at weddings. We make it about the couple. But it really wasn't written to a couple standing in front of an altar rail with a pastor. It was written to a church. You want your tools to show? You want your gifts to be used? Love in a trustworthy way. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. 
Love is trust. And out of all these things, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. So here's the the final challenge. You want to be involved? Want to make that push? Love. At the end of the day, love. Read 1 Corinthians 13 and put your name in the place of love. It'll, It'll humble you. Brett is not self-seeking. Brett perseveres. Hmm. I was sent the following illustration at the right time when I was finishing this message. And I just want to leave you with this illustration. You'll get the point. I changed the words a little bit. This is God's church. It's composed of people just like me. It'll be friendly if I am. It'll do a great work if I work in God's power. It'll make generous gifts to every cause if I am generous to God's church. It'll bring others into the fellowship if I invite them to God's house. Its seats will be filled if I fill them through invitations to God's house. It'll be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service if I, who make it what it is, am filled with those, with these, through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want his church to be. My prayer for you this morning is the same verse used for National Conference. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, not the world, not your 40401k, not everything else, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of who? The Holy Spirit, the one we're listening to, not ignoring. Amen. Amen. It's his church, not ours. We are not all wired the same. Praise God. And everyone, everyone is important. Let's pray together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for these humble reminders. Lord, you have brought us faithfully through so many years here in Temple PA. And I know you have another year, more years, to see the ministry of Faith Church continue. We may not continue from on the wall anymore. In fact, I know we won't. We may not even continue in a world that wants to hear what we have to say shouldn't stop us from saying it. We may even 
meet up against some persecution along the way. Help us to stand strong. Help us that we would put our trust not in forces, not in money, not in all those things we're tempted to put our trust in, but that we would put our trust solely on you, that your hope would overflow us through the power of the Holy Spirit, who we are intently listening for. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 